How's everyone's week been? Okay, cool. I just want to encourage you because I feel encouraged. I've been, um, I've, I've been meeting with some of the pastors in the city this week. I've been meeting with some other people that have a heart to see the church mobilized, united in the city. And I've come out really encouraged by some of the conversations that I'm having. Amen? Who wants to see that? Man, I want to see that. I am really encouraged by some of the conversations that's happening. And I can tell you this, that it's not forced. It is Holy Spirit. God is speaking into people's hearts. God is speaking into people's lives. And people are listening. Now we just need to respond and align ourselves in that. So I want to encourage you to keep praying because God is working and prayers are being answered. Yep. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah, come on. So this morning's message, yeah, there it is. Thanks, Carolee. Have you, have you ever had that time where you, like, you've been in Scripture or you've been journaling? Hands up who journals? Sometimes. Journaling is a great exercise to get into. I was never into it at all until I spent, started to spend time just sitting at the feet of the Lord and He just started to speak. I just had to journal. I'm not a good writer in terms of, you ask most people, they struggle to read my writing. So when I scribble, you have to have the Holy Spirit interpret. <laughs> it's just about do. But I can write neat if I write really slow, but the problem is that I think fast and speak fast and write fast, so it just becomes a big mess. But you ever feel a time when God is speaking to you about something? And you go, you know what? Ooh. And, but you also realize that you don't have the full picture at the moment. Have you ever had one of those times? Well, you know God is speaking about something, but you haven't got the full picture. Well, that's a bit, this message is a bit like that. Because we know in part, and God takes us, and He wants to continue to speak to us and speak to us. He wants to open things up. He wants to open things up. So I pray that I can do these three points justice today. Three words, reclaim, restore, and reform. Reclaim, restore, and reform. So we start with the word reclaim. What are we reclaiming? What has the Lord been saying? What are we reclaiming? Can I be really simple and say that we are reclaiming the gospel? Reclaiming the gospel. The good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the fullness of the gospel, not just parts of the gospel, but the whole gospel, the full counsel of God, reclaiming its message and its power to transform. Amen? Its message and its power to transform. You know, I think about Paul when he came to the church in Corinth and he said this, he said, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. 
I came to you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not be based on human wisdom, but on God's power. Paul was like the Jew of Jews. He knew everything. He could recite everything. He understood everything. And yet in that moment when, when Jesus revealed himself, he realized he knew nothing. I want to see, hey buddy, I don't know about you, but I want to see, I want to see what I read in Scripture. Anyone else? I want to see what I read in Scripture. Think about this, on the day of Pentecost, and Peter gets up to, to speak, the same Peter who was, who, who, was, who, was, who was just like, he would just step out of the boat and sink a bit. He would cut off someone's ear. He would cut off, you know, he would cut off Jesus mid-sentence. And he'd go, no, surely not, surely not, you know. He, he, this was Peter. But he was filled with the Spirit. And he preached the gospel. And he said these words in verse two, uh, 22 of chapter 2. Fellow Israelites, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him, just as you yourselves know. Though he was delivered up according to God's uh, determined plan and foreknowledge, you used, um, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. God raised him up and ended the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. He goes on to speak. He goes on to say later, Brothers and sisters, I can confidently speak to you about the patriarch David. He is both dead and buried and his tomb is with us. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn an oath to him to seat one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke concerning the resurrection of the Messiah. He was not abandoned in Hades and his flesh did not experience decay. God has raised this Jesus up and we are all witnesses to this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. The gospel was being preached. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ. We've already heard today we are saved by grace through faith. This is not of yourselves. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of, his, each of us has turned to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of our sin. I'm thinking about the Colin Buchanan song when that comes in my head just then. Ever heard Colin Buchanan's version of that scripture? Yeah, that's the one. Jason knows it. The gospel was being preached. Death could not hold Jesus down. He's risen. That the, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But that's just part of it. The Spirit moved. The Spirit of God moved in that moment. And people's hearts were moved. They were cut to the heart. What must we do to be saved? Amen? 
When they heard this, it says in verse 37, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he testified and he strongly urged them, be saved from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and 3,000 men were added to the church that day. I remember speaking with Guy years ago, and he was telling me about this evangelist friend of his who would minister amongst the youth, and he'd, bring, and he'd, and he'd uh, preach an altar call, and, you know, hundreds would come forth. They'd be all down the front, and then he was kind of like, anyone who's done that, you know, anyone who's come forward, come out the back with me. So he takes them out the back, and then just as Peter did, because it says, with many other words, he strongly urged them, save yourselves from his corrupt generation. This guy would take him out the back and he would preach to them what it really meant to be a follower of Jesus. And then he said, now who wants to be? And some would leave because it was too hard for him at that point in time. There is more. Repent and be baptized and receive. Receive. Now, let me set this straight, and I actually wrote this down because I need to set this out. Let me set this straight. One, one thing before I say what I'm about to say. The early church was not perfect. If we have a vision that the early church was perfect, then we don't read Scripture. There was stuff. There was issues that arose, but they dealt with them according to the wisdom and counsel of God. There were issues, but they worked through them. But these people who heard... These people who heard that word, they responded and they repented and they were baptized. They took off the old man and they put on the new man. We, most of us probably know here that the Greek word for, metano, uh, the Greek word for repentance is metanoia, with the mind, exercising the mind, a change of mind, a turning from and a turning to. And Paul puts it this way. Yesterday, when I was just thinking about something else, the Lord brought to my attention these words from Ephesians 4. I mean, uh, yeah, Ephesians 4, verse 20. But this is, this is not how you came to know Christ. Assuming you heard about him and were taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. You put off the old man and you put on the new man. You get rid of that stinking thinking and you start to align yourself with the Word of God. How do you do that? You get into the Word of God. I am so thankful that in my youth group upbringing that people got verses and verses and verses and verses of Scripture into me. That's not religion. That is the Word of God that is living and active. I am so thankful. But even now, it doesn't stop. You get into the Word and you get into the Word and you get into the Word and God speaks, God renews, God restores. God does that. 
But as Steve has already said to us, that's not works. Getting into the Word of God is not works. The enemy wants to make you think it is so that you put your Bible away and you put your prayer life away and just go, I'm just going to walk through life. You're setting yourselves up for the enemy to come in and go, bam. We need the Word of God. We need the Holy Spirit. They took off the old man and they put on the new man. 1 John 3, 9 says, Anyone who is born of God does not continue to sin. When you put off the old man and you put on the new man, as I've already said, the Holy Spirit works. And you're not the same person. But it's a work in progress. As I said a couple of weeks ago, there is positional sanctification. But there's also the outworking of that in our lives. God's grace is sufficient. That's not just a saying that we just fly, you know, we just flip off our lips and go, God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. It is His power to transform lives. Jesus came full of grace and truth. The grace of God is the power of God to transform lives. And sometimes, you know what, we've actually just, we do, we have to come back to God and we need to recognize that we need Him, that these areas of our life are not lining up. Because if we actually read through that whole book in Ephesians, we see that there, was, that there was stuff that was happening amongst them. There was anger and there was division and there was sexual immorality. And Paul said, that's not the way you live in Christ. You need to put off the old man. You need to put on the new man. You need to be renewed. When was sexual immorality ever meant to be a part of the church? Man, we are at a time where the world needs Christians to stand up and be the salt and light more than ever before. And the only way that we can see transformation out there is if we say, God, transform me. Transform me. Have your way in me. We need to reclaim the fullness of the gospel. The fullness of the gospel. The modern day church is, is you know, we, we say, who needs Jesus? And they come forward or they bow their heads and they you know, don't look, stick up your hand. Who needs Jesus? And we pray a little prayer and we think that's it. These people that in Scripture, they left everything to follow Jesus. Jesus was not an appendage to their life. Jesus became their life. And somehow we've got to reclaim the gospel. That Jesus is not an appendage to try and make your life better. But Jesus becomes your life because without Christ you are nothing. And apart from him you can do nothing. And it is the power of God to transform lives from glory to glory to glory. Sometimes I think when someone gives their life to Jesus, they need to go into boot camp. We need to get, you know, you need to say, no, I'm not doing that thing for three months. I'm not going out. I'm not going out for dinner or whatever the case is. Or I'm not going to the gym. You know, I'm not not doing that stuff. I'm going to give three months and I'm going to let people input into my life. I'm going to get into the Word. I'm going to get into prayer. I'm going to let God build a strong foundation that I can begin to live my life upon. Boot camp. Robin's in. Do you know what I mean, though? We tend to just go, I pray a little prayer, and then people just, we just wander through life and try and fit everything in and balance everything in, all this kind of stuff. No, no, no. We actually have to take the time. If it was good enough for the disciples to leave everything, is it good enough to go, you know what, I'm switching off the TV for three months. I'm not going to the gym for three months. I'm actually going to, I'm, I'm actually going to put something into my life that I need. 
Is that a fair statement? We need to reclaim the gospel in its entirety. We need to restore New Covenant Christianity. New Covenant Christianity. Somewhere in our culture today, we've lost what covenant means. We've lost the depth of it. It's deep. It is full. It's not just a contractual arrangement where you sign something and someone else signs something. There are some formalised things in, the, in a covenant. But the new covenant is relational. We have been brought into covenant through God's undoing. He made the way. He Whilst we were still sinners, Christ died. He went first. He took the first move. We have been brought into covenant with God. He has done that. And we are to enter into that. But the covenant, that covenant that we've entered into with God has an outworking in our life. It has an outworking in our families. It has an outworking in the church. It has an outworking in our daily lives. It has an outworking. It's the covenant. And if you read through the old, uh, if you read through the New Testament and you, and you read all of Paul's letters, you see it. You see the love of God. You see the making every effort. You see the stuff. You see the persevering. You see the patience. You see. You see it. You see it. You see it. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. The church in this city where we live, this region that we live in, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. It doesn't matter whether we have different worship styles or music styles. We are still brothers and sisters in Christ. It doesn't matter at this point in time if we've got some differences amongst us. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Hands up who's ever had differences in their natural family. Okay, yeah, that's good. There's stuff to be worked through sometimes, isn't there? You know, we've got four children now, and each one of them is different. Each one of them is unique. Each one of them is loved. Each one of them has a place. Each one of them has a gift. Each one of them. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we need to see a restoration of that. I'm going to keep praying into that. Because I believe that we could see a restoration of that in this city. I believe that we could see things that we could only dream about. And I don't know about you, but if I dream about it, I start praying about it. God is faithful. We see it. The new covenant, he's written on our hearts. He says, I'll give you a new spirit, new heart, and I will move you. I will move you. 
Man, the leading of the Holy Spirit is a beautiful thing. And you know what? The, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is a beautiful thing. It is. Because it is God working in you. It is God working in you. When we see the outworking of the early church on that day, when those people responded to the message and they repented and were baptised, we see the outworking of that covenant right there and then in that place. We see it. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, into prayer. That, there's their boot camp. They just received the message and straight away it says they devoted themselves. So they positioned themselves because they realized they had to take off the old man and put on the new man and they need to be renewed. Everyone was filled with awe. Man, imagine the presence of God manifesting in that place. You just go, whoa. And many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. All the believers were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as they had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. They broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They were living the new covenant life together in a city. You imagine that kind of relationship? You might leave here today and you're walking down the street and you see another brother from another mother in another household, you know, and you're walking down the street and you just embrace them as well and you just, you know, you, you just love them as well. It is, it is just, let, just let it loose. There is no such thing as sheep stealing in the kingdom of God because they're not our sheep. We all belong to Jesus. It's true. I want to see a restoration of New Covenant Christianity right here in Bundaberg. And I'm praying it's on the way. Because I see the birth pains. And I see the signs. Is it going to be everyone all the time? Maybe not. But you know what? God is always looking for a remnant of people that says we're in. We're in. We're jumping in, boots and all. Imagine if the whole church got together and, and on a Saturday and we had a love Bundaberg Day and every Christian was mobilised in different ways to love this city. What would that look like? That's not too hard, is it? All different kinds of gifts, all, all, all different kinds of ministries happening, people encountering the love and the power of God. Reformation. Bit of a flow on, I suppose. What are we reforming? You know, Martin Luther came along with his reformation of theology. There hasn't been too much reformation of structure. And I think that God is speaking about a reformation of the church in the city. You know, there's diversity in unity. It's not conformity. You know what? I'm not the same as I'm not the same person as James. It's probably a good thing that James is not like me and I'm not like James. I'm the same as Bruce, Jenny, Jim, Carolee, Mary, my wife. 
It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing that you can be different. But yet the same. Because we have the same Father. And we have the same Saviour. It's a beautiful thing. To see a reformation, to see God's governance, to see God's governance come into the city, to see the fivefold ministry begin to operate in the city. You see, it was never about just a group in the city, but the church, the people of God. Not a group, but the group. God has put his structure in place. We read scripture, we see his governance model. We see about apostles, we see about elders, we see about finances, we see about connections, we see about relationships, we see about partnerships, we see about all these things. And they were not ever divided. They were not ever disconnected. They were not ever uh, dis disjointed. God has positioned every part in the body as he wanted it to be. And we are in connection with, with him and we are in connection with one another. We look at the church in Antioch. What a great church to do some study on. What a great church to look into. We see that because of the scattering from Jerusalem that some had ended up in Antioch. And we read this. Actually, I'll go back a few verses. There were some of the men from Cyprus, Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks, proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. Amen? The Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. They were proclaiming the good news about Jesus, and more people were turning to the Lord. News about them reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. When he arrived and he saw the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Then he went to Tarsus to search for Saul, Paul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year they met with the church and taught large numbers. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch, and I spoke about that a couple of weeks ago. Then we read in chapter 13, we read this. Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was also called Nigger, uh, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And as they were worshipping the Lord and fasting... There it is again, fasting. Ooh. Who likes fasting? Come on. As they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after they had fasted some more and prayed, they laid hands on them and they sent them. This was a church that was connected. This was a church, a new covenant church. This was a church that was open to the Holy Spirit. It was, it was a church that the ministries, the fivefold ministries were operating. And it was a church that realized that it wasn't just about them, but it was about what God wanted to do through them. And so they sent them. 
They laid hands on them and they sent them. And if we keep reading in Acts 14 um, and through, we see that Paul would return to Antioch. So he would go on his missionary journey and he would return and he would report everything that took place. And that's why when Josh came back from overseas or other people came back from overseas, you know, different places, we want to hear the report because we send them. Yep. And we want to hear the report. But, so, but not only did, did Paul speak and they heard the report, but he continued to strengthen them and encourage them and build them up, and then he'd go again. It was his home. Antioch was his place. It was his home. And so he would go out from there, and he'd come back, and he would report everything that the Lord had been doing. But then he would stay with them for a little while, and he'd further strengthen them and encourage them, and then off he would go again. Antioch, this is a citywide church. This is not just a household or a group, but a citywide church. That was the mindset. And they were a missionary sending center. Man, what would it look like if we start sending teams out from Bundaberg with, with people from different fellowships together into the nations? What would that look like? Antioch wasn't the only church that thought like this. Corinth, Rome, Galatia, Ephesus, Philippi. Just read the letters of Paul. It was a citywide church. So not only do we, do we need to see a reclaiming of the gospel in its entirety, not only do we need to see a restoration of new covenant Christianity, but we, but we do also need a reformation of the church in the city. And God is doing it and will do it. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain, but we partner with him in that. Amen? It is time. As I've been praying more and more this week, you know, it just keeps reverberating in my spirit. It is time. It is time to step into these things. It is time to step into more. It is time to be intentional about our walk with Jesus. It's time to be intentional about these things that we're talking about and other things today. It is time. We cannot wait another 12 months. We cannot wait another two years. It is time. And so can I say this morning, with, where's the music team? You want to come forward? I want to say that we need the wisdom of God. In all things, we need the wisdom of God, yep? Because it's really easy to just revert back to doing things in our own strength, in our own wisdom, and our own understanding. But we need the wisdom of God because the wisdom of God is the correct application of knowledge. At that point in time, the wisdom of God gives us the correct application of what we need to do in that moment. The wisdom of God brings forth timing. We always need the timing of God in stuff. The wisdom of God. We need the wisdom of God to keep in step with the Spirit, to see what He is doing and join Him. Amen? I keep going back to the, as they entered into the promised land and the Lord said, follow the Ark of the Covenant because you've never been this way before. You know, this, some of this stuff that I'm reading in Scripture and some of the stuff that I'm praying into, guess what? I've never been this way before. And if we're talking about a reformation of the church in the city, none of us have been there before. So therefore, we need to keep following the leading of the Spirit. Therefore, we need to keep, keep in step with God. Therefore, we need the wisdom of God. And we need the understanding of God. And all these things, that means that we are relying upon God. 
because we don't have all the answers. We are reliant upon Him. But we need Him. We need Him. Be intentional. Steve's already said it today. Physical training is, is of some use. It is. Because if you want to live a long life, you need to take care of your body. Because if you put all kinds of stuff in it that you're not meant to put into it, well, you might struggle. So it is of some value. But godliness. Training yourselves in the spiritual things. Getting into the Word of God. Getting into prayer. Finding a mentor for finding someone that you can have lunch with and go, hey, let's talk about Jesus together. Finding a group of people that you can just, you know, throw some things around. It's a whole of life thing. This is just one small part. Sundays between 10 and 12 is just one small part. We need others. We need mates. We need friends. We need people. We need groups. We need households. We need... Be intentional. Be intentional. Be intentional to get into the Word. Be intentional to get into the Word with someone else because iron does sharpen iron. Be intentional. Let's be open. Let's be open to what God wants to do in us, through us, amongst us, and in this city and this region. Amen? Because that's... That's one of the things that keeps us together, I believe, is that sense of what we read and we go, there is more. And we want to see that. We want to see that, what we're reading in Scripture. We want to see that. And I believe it. And I think we believe it. I think there's something deep down in us that says we believe it. We believe it's possible. But, you know, sometimes there's a few hard yards to go. But all things are possible. God's grace is sufficient. I've, I've said this before. There are countless other cities throughout the world that, were just, that are just like Bundaberg. Divided, broken families, substance abuse, drug issues, unemployment issues, you name it, it's out there. But when the church started to get serious, when the full gospel started to be preached and lived, when they started to be open to what God wanted to do in them and through them, you know what started to happen? The church was changed. And the city got changed. There's modern day examples of it today. And my thing is, why not here? Why not now? Why not? Why not? So let's be a people that go after these things to see the outworking of these things because God will be glorified in the midst of that. The other things that we want to see will come as a result. It's not either or, it's both end. Let's worship. The young people are here. They're already back. They're eager to pray for you. Come on. They're looking eager. There's some other young people, yeah, we're going to gather them together today. They're going to pray for you. We do it with wisdom. We put another adult with them so that there's, 
It's the way we do it. But God speaks through them. And God will speak through them today. Amen? So I hope that message was okay today. There's still some, there's some outworking of stuff. There's a journey of stuff. But I want to see what I wrote on Facebook yesterday. The church in the city known by that we are family. Not a building, not a structure, not a program, not a method. But that we are God's people. We are the family of God. And we will see transformation in this place. Amen? So let's worship Jesus. Let's put our eyes upon Him. Every situation, we magnify Jesus over it. Nothing's too hard for Him. Our God is the God of breakthrough, amen? Yeah. He's the one who makes a way where there seems to be no, no, no way. He opens the doors that no one else can open just as He shuts the doors that no one else can shut. He is the one. So let's worship Him. If you want to come down the front and worship, you want to get down the back,